1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20. I'll read and then we'll go to the Lord in prayer. Scripture says, Now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching vain, and your faith is also vain. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that he is raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so, be that the dead rise not. Verse 16, for if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain, ye are yet in your sins. Then they also, which are fallen asleep in Christ, are perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning, for the opportunity around the communion table. Remember Christ's death. Now as we think about the results of if he stayed dead, I pray that it would encourage hearts, it would challenge hearts, and we might be again reminded of the hope because of the resurrection of Christ. We too will be resurrected. In Jesus' name, amen. In studying and preparing for the message this morning, 1 Corinthians 15, I read what I believe might be a, somewhat of a common illustration. It's been used before, or a story, really. I don't know exactly where this took place, but there was a man uh, that noticed a boy staring at a picture in an art museum. The boy was standing there, eyes wide open, young boy, staring up at the picture just in awe, deeply looking into this beautiful art picture. And the, the man asked the little boy, what, what is that picture that you're looking at so carefully? What is that picture of? And the boy says, why, sir, don't you know? This is the picture of our Lord dying on the cross for our sins. And the man said, thank you, and went on his way, looking at other pieces of art on the wall. And as he walked down the museum hallway and began to look at another piece of art, it wasn't but a few moments later that he felt a, a tugging on his, on his coat. And he looked down and saw the wide-eyed little boy, and, and he said, uh, what, what can I help you with? What's, what's going on? And he says, oh, sir, I've almost forgotten to tell you, our Savior didn't stay dead. He raised from the grave, and he's alive today. Out of the mouth of a young little boy, such great truth. And that really is our story. It's not brand new for us as Christians, is it? But it's a challenge to our hearts. The joy of the resurrection of Christ. He didn't stay on the cross. He rose, is what the boy communicated, the truth of Christ. You see, the story of Christ doesn't end at the crucifixion. Nor does it begin there. Christ's resurrection is a cornerstone of all Christian faith, and if there is no resurrection, Christians, there is no hope. There is no Christianity. There's nothing without the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
And as Christians, we're convinced that Jesus' bodily resurrection from the grave did indeed happen as the scriptures say it happened. This is a historical event that took place. The scripture communicates to us. The bodily resurrection from the grave did take place and it changed everything. You see, the Christian faith, as we've been looking at in weeks past, the Christian faith comes from Christ's experience, not from our feelings. This is where the Christian faith comes from. The, an ex, the, the, the experience that took place with Christ on the cross. <clears throat> but in spite of reality, in spite of history, in many cases, both biblical history and non-biblical history, it is, it is the sad norm of mankind to doubt the reality of events. To question the existence of certain happenings. And this is exactly what the Christians in Corinth were doing concerning the resurrection, the bodily resurrection of believers after death. Remember, I shared with you, if you study 1 Corinthians 15, long chapter, longest chapter in all of 1 Corinthians, Paul is dealing with and addressing the matter of Christians accepting this, this cultural, philosophical heresy that was teaching that after death, Christians would not be raised from the dead. And it wasn't that the Christians here in Corinth were doubting the fact that Christ had risen from the dead. Oh, hey, we accept that. But after we die, you know, the Gnostics and the Greek philosophers of the day tell us that we just cease to get, exist. Our, our spirit form goes off in oblivion somewhere and our body just rots in the ground. So I'd like us to consider an idiom or a question this morning. Consider a hypothetical question, what if? Two words, what if? Title of the study this morning, a message, Consequences of an Occupied Tomb. What if Jesus was still in the tomb? What would be the consequences of him never raising from the dead? What would be the consequences of Jesus dying and staying dead? What an awful thought, really. Can you, can you think that way with me this morning, though? Consider that. That's how Paul is writing here to the Corinthians and to the Christian readers. He's saying, consider a logical explanation to your illogical understanding of the resurrection of a body of a believer after death. He says, okay, I'll, I'll go with that thinking for a moment, and let me just spell out to you what indeed will take place if we were to go down, if that was to be a reality in which it's not. So let's consider the what if this morning. In response to the Corinthians' confusion on the subject, Paul argues in our passage, in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 through 20, well, the argument is through verse 19, the good news is 20, that the resurrection of Christ means the bodily resurrection of Christians after death. And without this true historical fact, there is no hope. No hope for you or for me. And so Paul shows the logical consequences of an unoccupied, or excuse me, of an occupied tomb. We know it's unoccupied. We know it was. He shows the consequences. The consequences of denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ means that there is no bodily resurrection for Christians as well, among many other things. And Paul's arguing from a negative point of view. He's assuming a false presupposition. 
to prove that Christ did rise from the dead, and therefore Christians too shall rise from the dead bodily. And so number one, in verse 12, look again with me. He says, now if Christ be preached and he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? Why are some of you Christians, Paul is saying, why are some of you saying there's no resurrection from the dead? I know the Greek philosophers of the time are, 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 are feeding you false truths, inaccurate information, heretical teaching. But why are you saying there's no resurrection of the dead when in the same breath you do agree that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you see what you're doing here? It's, it's making no sense. So remember, the Christians in Corinth were questioning the very premise of a bodily resurrection. And it's not difficult at all, really, to understand why they would draw this illogical conclusion. If you were to understand and do a little bit of reading about the, the philosophers of that day and of that time, the teaching that was common in that location and in that time, it's part of the Greek philosophy of that period. And these Christians had accepted the cultural teaching of the Greeks that taught the spirit part of man survives after death into some form of eternal oblivion or bliss somewhere in the clouds of a starry, bright sky somewhere. But that the body is finished, it's done. You see, the Gnostics and the Greek philosophers at that time taught that the body, the material form, was what could be wrong morally it could do wrong it was to be it was it was as if the soul was trapped and imprisoned in this earthly sinful body and when when one died the spirit was finally released from this body that had no other purpose and use and the body would just cease to exist and rot in the grave and the spirit would go off into and then there was multiple different places or ideas on what would happen with the spirit form and Paul is saying, no, 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 this is not what happened with the Lord. This is not what will happen to Christians. God is not finished with the body yet. And whatever condition it leaves this, it, it dies or happens to it that causes death, the Lord will take up that body. You'll be re reunited in the clouds during the rapture and glorified and transformed to be like Christ. These Christians have bought into the heretical reasoning that there was no bodily resurrection. But the risen Christ was proof positive that bodily resurrection is possible. And Christ had shown himself to the apostles. He'd shown himself to men and women. He'd shown himself to in excess of 500 different people at one time. He had obviously risen from the dead. We studied this in weeks past earlier in the chapter, chapter 15. It was totally illogical to deny the resurrection of all Christians if Christ himself had raised from the dead. It was ridiculous. Christ himself had bodily risen from the dead, and he's the first fruits. He says that we will also be risen from the dead and so it's wrong to think anything else. That's verse 12, the illogical conclusion of the Corinthians. But you see his arguments that Paul starts doing. I'm going to move very quickly here. Look at verse 13. So stay, stay on track with me, all right? Look at verse 13. You have your Bible, your device open. It says, but if there be no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen. So here's the what if. Think with me. What if Christ had not risen from the dead? What if 
his rotting body was still in the tomb. What would that mean for Christians today? Well, to, if there was no resurrection, then there would be no raised Christ. That's the first obvious logical conclusion to it, illogical idea. To deny the resurrection of Christians is to deny the resurrection of Christ. If human bodies did not, do not survive death as the Greek philosophers taught and said that they did not, then Christ's body did not survive death and there is no resurrection of Christ. If Christ is not raised, there, is, there isn't the slightest hope of our resurrection. Christ himself indeed did not firstly raise. So what is the consequence of an occupied tomb? A tomb that still has our Lord in it. Paul says in verse 13, he's teaching us that there is no hope of eternal presence with the Lord after death because if Christ is not raised, then neither will we be raised. Verse 14, continue on. Look at this list of what ifs. And if Christ be not raised, then is our preaching vain and your faith is also vain. So answering the question, what if, again, Paul confronts them with a logical conclusion to their illogical position by showing them what life would be like for the Christian if Christ had not been raised from the dead. What does he say there? It'd be in vain. It'd be worthless. It'd be empty. It would be without purpose. If Christ had not risen, the apostles, the apostolic message as a whole was empty. It was without substance. It was, it was totally useless, he says. What a waste of time. If Christ had not been raised, then Christian preaching isn't real. It's a sham. If Christ had not been raised, I am wasting your time this morning. Listening to someone, a pastor, herald the good news of the scriptures is for not if Christ had not risen from the dead. You see the purpose it gives for so many things in the Christian life based on the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ? One theologian points out, take out the resurrection of Jesus and there is nothing left on which to rest faith. Only the decomposing corpse of an itinerant Jewish carpenter turned rabbi. That's it. Nothing. Just a bunch of stories. Take out the resurrection and there's nothing left. There's no such thing as a partial gospel. Have you ever considered that? God, Christ, man, we think about the gospel and the truth of salvation. You take out any one part and it, is, it ceases to be the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't take out any part. So if you take out the resurrection, we don't. We cease to have the gospel. We cease to have salvation with no resurrection. And so the logical conclusion of an illogical claim that Christ has not been raised from the dead is that our faith as Christians is vain. It is empty. It is void of substance altogether. And so the whole Christian life would be worthless useless and a meaningless deception of lies if Christ was not raised from the dead. <laughs> what if? Depressing, isn't it? Depressing. This is Paul's manner of communicating these things to him, to them. 
considering the what if. If no resurrection, then no raised Christ. If no resurrection, then no gospel. If no resurrection, then the apostles are liars. Verses 15 and 16. They communicate to us the reality that if Christ did not rise, then all the apostles were just lying. They were making up a story. Did you know that in Acts, the resurrection is mentioned 145 times in the book of Acts? 145 times the the resurrection of Christ is mentioned, and it was the focal point of the early church preaching. Christ raised. 145 times. The message of of that, of Acts, is He is risen. We have seen Him. He is the Lord. He is our Savior. And the Bible says that God declared the resurrection of Christ from the dead. God Himself declared it. The Bible declares this. If Christ had not been raised from the dead, then the apostles would have been guilty of bringing false witness against a holy God. Verses 15 to 16. Yea, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He raised up not. If so, be that the dead rise not. Bearing false witness against God. (laughs) This is what the apostles would have been doing had there been an occupied tomb. The apostles amounting to nothing but more, nothing more than, than uh, deceiving liars. If no resurrection, the apostles were liars. If no resurrection, then we remain enslaved to sin. If, among all these things, you might note this as possibly being one of the most tragic. Still remaining enslaved to sin without the resurrected Christ. Verse 17 says, And if Christ be not raised, our faith is vain. We are yet in your sins. We're still in our sins without the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ demonstrated historically that the sacrifice of Christ for sin was indeed sufficient. God accepted Christ's sacrifice. He was the propitiation. He was the acceptable, wrath-absorbing, in-our-place sacrifice for our sin, accepted by God. Someone once wrote this. It says, Christ's death for our sin, speaking specifically of His resurrection after His death, it's God's amen to Christ's, it is finished. The resurrection is God's amen to Christ on the cross saying it is finished. The resurrection of Christ. I like that. But if Christ be not risen, then his death is invalidated. It was pointless. We are still in our sins. We still must face the anger of our wrathful God. When we stand before Him, we will get everything we deserve for the sinfulness that we, for the sinners we are. If Christ had not risen from the dead. Without Christ's resurrection, denying His bodily resurrection results in being devoid um, uh, without salvation altogether. 
Our faith is in vain without the resurrection. You know the word vain here means empty. Empty. The word emphasizes aimlessness and, and, and a leading to no object or end. Worthless, empty, nothingless. So what is the consequence of an occupied tomb? Another consequence, Paul points out, is remaining enslaved to sin without hope of salvation. Devoid of salvation. In verse 18, here's yet another result. If no resurrection, then dead Christians have perished. Loved ones, believers that have died before us. That we would have otherwise thought were in heaven, in the immediate presence of our Lord. They would be lost, never to be raised again, if Christ had not risen. All Christians who have died, or will die, have no hope after the grave without the resurrection. Without the resurrection, there is no victory over sin, no triumph over death. Without the resurrection, we only have despair in our lives. Death will swallow up all. In the very same chapter, we'll get there in, in some time in the future, where we think about the, the um, if you move forward in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and you see him talking about in verse 54 in the end, death is swallowed up in victory because of the resurrection of Christ. If we would not have that, death would be swallowed up in defeat. What's the consequence of an occupied tomb? No hope of life beyond the grave. Death then becomes the most dreaded event in a person's life because it ends life if Christ had not risen. But because Christ has risen, we know that physical death means the beginning of eternity in the presence of our Lord for the born-again believer. Lastly, in verse 19, look and see here another what if. What if? If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable, most pitiable, most depressed, most sorrowful, miserable people. If no resurrection, then Christians would be the most miserable. That's what verse 19 tells us. So finally, Paul says, without the resurrection, believers would be the most pitiable people on earth. Think of it. Christians, as Christians, we place our complete faith and trust in Him. We live for Him. We serve Him. We love Him. We worship Him. As Christians, it's all about Him. And if he had not been risen from the dead, we would be living and doing and trusting and worshiping all for naught. It would be pitiful, wouldn't it? It would be right for people to look at us and say, you got to screw loose. You're worshiping something that doesn't exist. A dead guy. We know it to be otherwise. there's no risen Lord, then what a waste, what a miserable plight. Christians would have no purpose in life. Without the resurrection, Christianity crumbles and the Christian is left in utter despair without the resurrection. 
What's the consequence of an occupied tomb? One of the consequences in this what-if theory that Paul presents is there is no meaning or purpose. Christians would be the most pitiable, miserable individuals on the face of the planet. But there is positive logic to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There's a positive logic and a reality. Look, look at verse 20. It says, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. There is positive logic here. Christianity is the only religion whose founder transcends death and promises that believers will do the same. Think about it. All religious leaders otherwise, whether they stated they would live after death or not, have died and never risen. Only Christ has died and risen from the grave as a founder of Christianity. Since Christ is raised, then our preaching is not useless and empty. Because Christ has raised, the apostles have not been telling lies, but truth of the gospel. And they can be trusted. Because Christ has risen from the grave, our sins have been atoned for, and we are forgiven. Because Christ has risen from the grave, death has no victory over our loved ones, and we will see them again. Because Christ has risen from the grave, life now has meaning, and we have hope because of the resurrection. Since the resurrection is true, then Christians are the most envied people on the face of the earth. Whether all will admit, admit that or not. You know, Romans, two more quick passages and we're done. Romans chapter 8. Look at it with me. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. It says, But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Quicken your mortal bodies. Our physical bodies will be raised to be reunited with our spirit in the clouds at the rapture. Preparation for our future glorified bodies. This means death for Christians is immediate presence with the Lord. We will, re we will return to unite with our resurrected body at the rapture before our resurrected and glorified body will be with Christ for all eternity. There's another reality I need to mention in closing, and that is for those who have not repented of sin and placed their faith and trust for forgiveness and salvation in Christ alone and have been born again. They too, maybe you too, will be resurrected. But it will be to judgment and damnation. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29, our Lord's words teach this. The Gospel of John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. 
Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, and to which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. All will live forever for all of eternity in one of two places. As a church, as born-again believers, we understand, we look forward to that glorious hope, the reality of eternal presence in the Lord, the resurrection of our bodies, the reuniting of that, the meeting loved ones, the spending eternity face-to-face with our Lord, seeing Him as He is. But those who do not know Him as personal Savior have turned from a life of sin, recognizing their sinful position, You too will be resurrected, but it will be to eternal judgment in a very real place called hell. Life and death is nothing to be played with, nothing to be taken lightly. Paul here is speaking to the Corinthians and he's communicating to us as Christians as well that don't don't be confused with all the wrong teaching and culture concerning death and life. Remember what I have taught you. Remember your salvation. Remember Christ's resurrection. Oh, and by the way, if Christ rose, you too will be risen bodily to be reunited with your Savior. This is the truth of God's Word. May we not be distracted with the deconstruction of Christianity and faith in God and what He has accomplished and what He said will take place. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the reality of life after death, for forgiveness of sin, for salvation. Lord, thank you for the hope of heaven. Lord, help us to be careful, to not be distracted with false teaching, with heretical ideas, to not be derailed by those who once claimed to have saving faith but have turned, revealing they never were Christians those who have apostatized and and who, who teach a false gospel and seek to confuse. Help us to take your word in faith, trusting that what you say always has come to be, what you promise always will come to be. Help us to find joy and hope in this life as we know what will happen in the next. In Jesus' name, amen.